There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your settings. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Fangirl Zone. I'm Sean Fangirl S. Today we are talking American Gods Episode 6. And joining me today, if you haven't figured out the pattern yet, is Miss Jennifer. Hello. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Okay. So this one's entitled A Murder of Gods. So let me give the synopsis because Jennifer and I have been, like, bouncing around trying to not talk about it because we want to save it. This one was so good. Okay. So on the run after the new gods show of force, Shadow and Mr. Wednesday seek safe haven with one of Mr. Wednesday's oldest friends, Vulcan, God of the Fire and the Forge. And that was Mr. Corbin Burnson, in case you were not sure. So I thought that this was really awesome. And we uh, have two distinct storylines. Mm-hmm. But before we get into that, Jennifer, I finally told her I found the book. Yay! Woo! It took forever. I had to drive out about like a half hour to, to the bookstore found this, and I found Handmaid's Tale, so I do finally have both books. I am waiting until the season is over to crack the book, which is really hard. Uh, yeah, I went ahead there. and finished Handmaid's <laughs> Tale, so, and I and I gotta confess, I started re-listening to uh, American Gods on my audiobooks, and just to kind of see if there were any differences uh, that I not that I hadn't noticed, and so yeah, I've cheated a little, but I was wondering, because I had read in an article not long ago where they interviewed Neil Gaiman, and they said, will you ever write an American Gods 2? And he says, yes, I will. That's so I'm like, so exciting. Because it's been over 10 years since American Gods was written. And basically what he said is, well, yeah, I'm going to write it, but I've got this thing, this thing, and this thing to write first, and then... <laughs> I'm going to write American Gods 2. And I'm like, man! And I know he's friends with um, R.R. Martin, who does Game of Thrones. And the two of them go back and forth all the time. And I remember in an article that I I read where the two of them were kind of going back and forth. And he was telling him, you need to finish, you know, this or this. And now everyone's on Martin to kind of finish (laughs) Game of Thrones. So it's kind of these these back and forth, you know, little uh, jabs that they give each other, which I thought was kind of cool. But we are getting um, an American Gods 2 book. I don't know if we're going to be in the same situation where we're seeing show before book like we are with Game of Thrones. Uh, If so, that kind of dictates what he has to keep in there. And And they asked him about that. And he's like, yeah, it's kind of the devil's in the details. And I have to have enough of it kind of thought out and planned so that I make sure to tell them include this for sure in the series so that the sequel makes sense. I don't think we're going to get that far ahead because... Everybody has said that this se- this season is maybe a third of the way through the book. Yeah, it's an incredibly long book, and that is kind of what I'm thinking, because I know we've got not many episodes left, like two, right? Two after this, yeah. Yeah, so 
I can't foresee them wrapping up the entire huge book that is American Gods in one season. So maybe we'll get, you know, time for him to actually write season two or at least have it finished enough so that he can tell the showrunners, okay, here's what needs to kind of go on and happen and, and all of that. But when I was looking for uh, a release date or, you know, what his plans were for American Gods 2, I also found a reading list for the American Gods series. And I'm like, wait, the American Gods series? And this was on Goodreads.com. And there's American Gods. Mm -hmm. That is considered the first book in the series. Then there is a book that I had never heard of that is completely a part of American Gods. It's called The Monarch of the Glen. And it's Shadow Moon in Scotland two years after American Gods. What? I'm like, who knew? Like, I had no clue this existed. And then third in line is a Nancy Boys, which I just finished up not long ago. Loved it. Would highly recommend it. Then there is another Shadow-centric tale called Black Dog. Who knew? And then there is a compilation of authors writing short stories. And one of the short stories in there is by Neil Gaiman, and it is another Shadow Moon tale. And that book is called Legends 2. It's kind of like an anthology. And then there is a third, or uh, not a third, a next, a next one. Let's see, we're one, two, three, four, five. The sixth in the series would be Fragile Things, which is a compilation of short stories by Neil Gaiman, because he does have an awful lot of short stories that he's written, and one of those stories is about Shadow Moon. And then we'll have American Gods 2. So I'm like, wow, they literally could, for a series pull from all of these books so we could get seasons and seasons and seasons of this that could go on yeah so that's i I had no idea i had never read anything wow like i've i've read a lot of gaiman's work sandman and the ocean down the lane and a bunch of other ones uh the graveyard um Boy or uh, Graveyard Boy or Graveyard Book. Uh, okay, yeah, all the all the Neil, Neil Gaiman purists are out there. Like she doesn't even know the name of the titles. Oh, I kill her. No, <laughs> <laughs> everything I've ever read of his, I love it. Never, Neverwhere, uh, oh, which is my into favorite. A oh yeah, so good. So anything that I get to read or, or listen to of his is just I know it's going to be good, and I can't believe that it's, I've gone this long after having originally read American Gods without even knowing that these other things existed. And I knew a Nancy Boys was lightly tied to it, but it's considered in the order of the series. So, who knew? Yeah, I was actually just going to ask you if that's supposed to be the second one. So, the fact... They have it listed as the third, so... Interesting. And really, it's um, Mr. Nancy and the story of his sons. Okay. Is the Nancy Boys, and... <laughs> Mr. Nancy, they say whenever he calls someone something, the name sticks. Um, for example, there was this prize-winning show dog that lived down the road from them, and he he said, that's a goofy-looking dog. And for, forevermore, everyone who saw the dog, it's a goofy-looking dog, to the point where they had to stop showing the dog, and they just kept it inside because everyone said he looked goofy. <laughs> That's kind of sad. And then he, he ends up calling, he, he gives his son a nickname because he goes to the pudgy stage when he's um, like 10 or 11 years old. And he calls him Fat Charlie. And so everyone who ever meets 
Charles Nancy is, oh, it's Fat Charlie and Fat Charlie Nancy. And, and that's how they refer to him, never knowing that that's what his father nicknamed him. So that part's kind of hilarious. But the whole tale is hilarious. And I would recommend uh, anyone who is interested in reading more No Game and to read that one. It's really, it's really quite good. But I'm now going to have to read The Monarch of the Glen and Black Dog and check out Legends 2 and Fragile Things as well. So Yeah, there's so many stories. Yay! Yeah, just up to my summer reading list. <laughs> oh, jeez. You know how many books I still have to read? But, yeah, well, just add it on there. We'll keep going. <laughs> All right, let's jump into this episode since we were both super excited. Now, like I said, there's two very distinct storylines and two trios. So I don't know which one you want to start with first because they both had me cracking up. The whole thing was hilarious. Um, I guess we can start with the undocumented immigrants making the cross into America. And they killed Mexican Jesus. I was going to die. <laughs> because, I mean, we see this happening and I'm like, okay, the guy can't swim. Oh, somebody's going to save him. He walks on water. <laughs> I, I almost fell out of my chair. I'm like, okay, now we knew we were going to see Jesus at some point. Mm-hmm. And Mexican well, Jesus. Incarnations of Jesus and American gods. And this one's the Mexican Jesus. Right. Which we knew because, I mean, we had to. Why specifically say it at one point and not show it? But. Exactly. Uh, you know, he saves the guy, but does he really save him? Not really. Because on the other side, and now I have a question for you. There are at least what they show it, I think five or six people kind of shadows, but you keep coming to one person with a gun Mm -hmm. and they're just shooting all these, these people. And it's foreshadowing for the rest of the episode, I think, because the gun is shown so prominently and it says, um, kingdom come on the gun, I think. Yes. And then I, I thought it was a little interesting how they shoot him through the hand at one point. And it's kind of like a stigmata mark. Um, as he dies, and I guess, you know, the episode uh, title was correct, you know, yeah, the murder of gods. We, the first thing they do, let's kill Mexican Jesus. Go, boom. Well, and then, of course, they have the tumbleweed, and suddenly he has his crown of thorns. But mm-hmm. who is that supposed to be that was shooting? I, I don't know if they have on the border because I lived in New Mexico for a time right next to the border and they do have a group of militia people who kind of go and in the middle of the desert and they they patrol it they're not hired by anyone they're not a part of any official anything other than their own whatever militia they they call themselves and they're protecting the border and I'm doing air quotes and I do know that a lot of them don't always turn in the immigrants to immigration. Mm-hmm. So there may be some uh, civilian justice going on that is not really on the up and up because I would never advocate killing in, you know innocent people. I mean, yes, they are crossing the border, but at the same time, they're still people. Um, so I, it could be a group like that. But after seeing the entire episode, I think it could be a character we see later on. Okay. That's what I was thinking, which we'll we'll say that little spoiler later. Let me not spoil it too early. Yep. Because I wasn't sure. That's why I, I wanted to get your... Or maybe some of his devotees. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's start with our little ragtag bunch. <laughs> because we have dead wife. 
Yes, we definitely. have Mad Sweeney, and we have Celine, <laughs> which threw me. But Mad Sweeney comes back to the hotel because where else is he going to go? Mm-hmm. I'm just going to keep calling her dead wife. He keeps calling her dead that. Wife. Her husband Toad, because she's dead. Right. She was pretty ticked because she's in the office and she's like, "Where's my car?" And he's like, "Well, they got towed because it belonged to the dead person." She's like, "I'm the dead person." It's like, and the guy didn't even flinch. He's just like, "Oh, okay, <laughs> wow." I... Like he sees this kind of thing all the time, you know? Oh, okay, yeah. Well, sorry about that. It happens. Right. <laughs> and so the Matt Sweeney's like, "Okay, I'll get you where you need to go. Come on." So, because he's got a car. Right. Because, of course, he wants his coin. And then of he course. just turns around and he's like, because he's still handcuffed. And she just, uh-huh. like, snaps it like nothing. She's got this superhuman strength, like he used to have before he gave up his coin. Uh, well, that's why you make sure you watch your coins. But, yep. She wants the, this nice car. He's like, no, nah, I can't do that one. That's got an alarm. I can't figure it out. But here, we'll take this this taxi. And she's like, it's a piece yeah, of shit. <laughs> Yeah, and it literally smells like someone shit in the back. <laughs> well, it turns out <laughs> that's where Selim comes in. Yes, this is the one that the gin gave him. And uh, really, I thought that was all cleaned up, though. That's just kind of worried me, worries me a bit. But yeah, I know it made me not want to take a cab like ever again. Right. But he's clearly looking for the gin who he met earlier in the season. And I thought it was kind of interesting because he asks, oh, "Can you show me where the gin is?" Because what was it? She says something about him, Matt Sweeney, being a leprechaun. Mm-hmm. And she's she's dead wise. Right. So clearly they're some kind of supernatural, you know, or uh, they're, they're a supernatural cadre that have come together. So I loved it because Celine's just like, all right, I'll drive. Just don't break my car. It's like, yeah. what? Wow. Okay, really calm. And Matt Sweeney tells them that um, they need to, to get to someone who can actually resurrect her because that flesh is going to start rotting on her, and she's going to turn into soup, and soup don't win back her husband is what he tells her. Now, who do you think it is that's going to resurrect her? Um, I was thinking Jesus, <laughs> but Mexican Jesus is, is, has been shot and possibly killed, but maybe he resurrects. Uh, we haven't seen it yet. Give him three days. We don't know. Um, <laughs> but there are other incantations that uh, of Jesus and the um, resurrection kind of, you know, thing. There are other gods who can do that. And he says that we have to go to Kentucky in order to find it. Which I didn't understand Kentucky because I thought you wanted to go to Wisconsin. Yeah, because that's where the whole big thing is going. But, I mean, Salim's like, okay, cool. Well, clearly you guys, you know, know what you're doing. And I'm just kind of going to go with this because, you know, maybe, you know, I'll run into <laughs> the gin while I'm with you guys. And they're gonna, they're all going to Kentucky. <laughs> I love, yeah, Salim is just so calm. I love it. I totally love it. Matt Sweeney's a dick. And he, he, <laughs> I love it because he's like, don't you ever shut up because Salim's talking. And he's just trying to find out who they are and what they are and. Uh, yep. Then we have Laura just being her, like, just glowing self. Oh, yeah. Well, the most upset I've ever seen her was when her car got, like, towed. Yeah, that's true. Well, I don't know. <laughs> when she, like, grabbed Matt Sweeney's lips and she's like, what? Because he was calling her something very, very inappropriate. A, a leprechaun. I'll say it. <laughs> I have it in my notes. 
I was like, oh, that is, mm, she, mm. she grabs his lips and she's like, I will rip them off next time you say it. I was like, oh, okay then. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then we do find out that she was thankful, um, thinking, you know, okay, I'm, now I'm dead. I never have to see my mother again. And she reveals, I used to pray that my family would disappear or I would, you know, I could just have a new life. And Mad Sweeney's just like, you smell dead wife. Yeah, I know. You smell he, shit in the back of this cab. Yes, he was just a raging dick this whole episode. But why do you think it was that she wanted to go see her family? Because she, she had to go back, which seems mm-hmm. very strange. I don't know if she needed closure or to solidify the fact that, no, I absolutely do not want to be a part of that picture-perfect, you know, postcard-looking shit. I am out of here. And because she seems like someone who probably had a pretty good life and was just bored out of her damn mind. Well, it did seem like and, a small town. Yeah, and, and, you know, even though the family loves each other and, you know, they live in a nice house and, you know, I think they were having dinner when she saw them, she's kind of looking at them. And I thought, well, okay, well, maybe she'll, you know, tear up and show some emotion. And she's just like, nope, now let's get the hell out of here. And I'm like, oh, oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, I just, I thought that was strange because, you know, yeah, let's go to Kentucky. Matt Sweeney nods off and she, like, you know, gets Selene to go down the different fork in the road. Ending up back yep. in the old town. But that just, if you're trying to follow Shadow, because Shadow is the only thing that makes you feel alive, yep. why are you going backwards? I don't, I don't know. I, this American Gods is just full of random, like, why did you go in that direction road trips? <laughs> so in keeping with that, I guess it fits. But we do find out a little more about our cabbie, Salim, mm-hmm. and why he left New York was basically he was afraid. Uh, he said that... Um, he really, you know, he was afraid of the black people. He was afraid of the, the crime. He was afraid of everything, basically, and, and left. And I'm like, oh, wow, okay. <laughs> and then you have um, Mad Sweeney, Sweeney saying, I'm sitting uh, in the back here about to have a genuine anxiety attack because I'm afraid you're never going to shut the fuck up. <laughs> like I said, I thought was hilarious. and being a dick this whole episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and then we find that they go to the Crocodile Bar where Shadow met Mad Sweeney in, in the beginning. And Mad Sweeney, oh, like this whole time, he's, again, super douche right now. And he's like, this is not Kentucky. Right, <laughs> but he's like, uh, get someplace dark in the corner and downwind because you smell and these lights aren't doing it for you. And Laura's yeah. like, you can't embarrass me. And then he yeah, tells she has her, no what was that? She has no shame. No, not anymore. Well, I don't think she did before either, to be honest. No, I really don't think she did. No. <laughs> but, you know, Matt Sweeney is like, he's not your man anymore. Oh, right over there is where he took the shot of mead, and that's when he became Wednesday's yep. man. He made a deal with the devil, he says. But Laura's like, no, I have to find him because my heart beat. Mm-hmm. And I love it because Matt Sweeney's like, did you kiss him? <laughs> and she's like, yeah. And she's like, and were you cold and dead? It's like, oh, oh. It tastes like vomit and cigarettes. And I was just like, ooh. I know. It's like, uh, yeah. And then she's like, maybe I should have had a Tic Tac. <laughs> she, yeah. She's like, well, you know, maybe. Um, and he's like, you taste it like death. And, you know, he, he doesn't want you anymore. 
And she's like, but he's the one that I've it makes my heart beat. And I always I wonder about the kiss. I wonder if for that moment when she kisses him because he is this glowing light to her, is she truly alive again when she's with him? I don't I know. I'm thinking it's more like his light kind of envelops her. Mm-hmm. And it's just... Why does he have a light? I don't know. Matt and I talked about this. And I'm like, what I is it? I know why he does, but we didn't get this much Laura Moon in the book. So I, I'm I'm really glad that we are, because I kind of like how they're fleshing out her character. Um, pun intended, I guess. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm But yeah, and the interactions with um, Mad Sweeney and everything is just... I, yeah, I just kind of, is she like a succubus now and, and needs to like siphon life off of him? Or does she truly, maybe Shadow Moon has some kind of powers we don't know about or understand yet? I'm thinking so that's guess, what it's got to be. Because why is he so important? Yeah, definitely, definitely important. So <laughs> Now that was kind of interesting though, when Salim, you know, they were going back and forth in the bar talking about shame and Salim's like, um... I don't hide my shame, or I think it was something like that. And uh, Mansweeney's like, that's the only thing that kept you alive in your other country. And I was like, mm-hmm. holy crap. I mean, we kind of talked about it uh, with that episode, how, you know, mm-hmm. and I didn't even think about that. But, man, Mansweeney, yeah. Mr. No Filter. Oh, yeah, he has none. He's kind of like me. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, the Muslim religion, and it's particularly in the more extreme um, sex of it, you are not allowed to be gay. Right. Period. And it's pretty much, you know, in the Middle East, not allowed to be gay. And he comes over to America and is able to finally be himself. And But he's, he's terrified <laughs> of being in New York City at the same time. I think so, he's just really... Yeah. Uh, because he culture shock, well that and the fact that he had that moment which was pretty mm-hmm. much just like a pure emotional moment with the jinn and mm-hmm. now it's like and now I'm alone again it's like I yes. feel it's got to be really hard to try to reconcile and he just left everything that he knows he did have family here and he he can't go back to them and I'm sure he, he's maybe a little more than freaked out that you know the guy had fire coming out of his eyes <laughs> and clearly is a supernatural creature of some kind and he knows he's a gen and now he's he finds himself trapped driving a cab so like, he, he's got to be a little freaked out it's understandable yeah, it's like here's your life goodbye it's like, Whoa, okay uh not quite ready for that yeah i have a note here after laura, laura spies on her family she says fuck those assholes yeah <laughs> So I'm like, okay, well, clearly we're not going to get, you know, any kind of redemption whatsoever. She is who she is, and she's not going to apologize for it. <laughs> yeah, I I still want to know, and I'm hoping somewhere in the book it says something about, like, she just was bored with them. I, even if it's that one line, because it just seemed weird. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. I don't think she was ever mistreated or anything like that. I just think she was bored. <laughs> well, it is what it is, I guess, with her, and we may never find out. She just seems very... <laughs> blase about everything so all right well our little trio had a lot of back and forth between them i thought it was really kind of funny yep and so we get uh in the opening shadow asks mr wednesday who 
are you? And this is a very important question. And I was, like, sitting on the edge of my seat, like, is he going to tell him? Is he going to tell him? Is he going to tell him? And he says to him, you wouldn't believe me if I told you. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> so now I have to sit on this secret for longer. But, yes, there is it, there is an importance as to who Mr. Wednesday is. And it isn't only that he's a god. All I'm saying. Okay. Nothing like <laughs> holding out on us. Thank you. <laughs> Well, I wouldn't want to spoil it. It is a huge reveal. Okay. Yeah, don't spoil it. We're not there yet. Well, this was a really hard episode, too, to try to tweet, because um, I do my best. There's just so much. There's so much, yeah. It's great, and I have, like, tons of fun doing it, but seriously, it's, like, really hard sometimes. Uh, but... Like, my opening statement was, okay, that's awesome. Who does the calligraphy? I didn't know it's random. But nobody <laughs> answered me. So I'm wondering if it was, like, somebody who is just part of the show. Because, like, you've seen that before. Like, directors, oh, yeah. well, writers. You, you, oh, yeah. Well, you have a huge art department, especially for a show like this. And I know whenever I take the kids on set, I always find the art department people. I'm like, hey, you guys, I'm one of you. I'm just going to, like, hang out here and drink my coffee and make sure my kids don't die. And they are all, like, incredibly talented, like, when they make the props and everything. So, I mean, it technically could be someone from the art department that they have drawing it out. Uh, uh, yes, I just want to know. It's like I, I know it's, like, completely random, guys. Somebody's got to know. And I think, like, if, show official as far as like which character is writing it it's mr ibis yeah ibis yeah Yeah. but as to who's actually writing it that's probably going to remain a mystery (laughs) so really pretty wednesday and shadow with the back and forth and like you said you know he's like who are you and at one point wednesday asks him your dead wife showed up you scared yet it's like okay and he doesn't seem to like Laura a whole lot, and he's he's kind of like, he shouldn't trust her, and the dead rarely come back without a purpose. Like, she's a danger to him, and he's almost trying to protect him from that. See, and that kind of piqued my interest, and I'm thinking, okay, is he trying to protect Shadow, or is he trying to protect himself mm-hmm. to keep Shadow with him and keep him away from Laura? Mhm. Yeah, he definitely does not want those two meeting up. He kind of made that clear. And, <laughs> and then he says uh, he he knows some charms because Shadow has a huge gash in his abdomen that is bleeding, and I I guess he got stabbed by the weird tree thing. Yes. And as Wednesday is like, oh, okay, we need to get this out of you. I need more light. Let's go out in front of the car, basically. And mm-hmm. um, I'm sorry, but if you had alcohol, maybe you give uh, Shadow a swig because this shit's going to hurt. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Instead, he's like, oh, yeah, I got I to gotta drink some of this. But he's talking to him, and he's like, don't look, don't look. He's like, it's going to hurt. I have to. Basically, he's using, like, his lightning to be able to pull this out because he's like, well, you were stabbed. Imagine, like, when you're in prison and somebody poisons it. Yeah. And he's telling him a story about Mr. Tree. And I'm like, who the hell is Mr. Tree? <laughs> seriously i'm like is, is this some god i don't know about like but he's like he said he was the very first god yeah there is a god that is an old god in the book 
and I believe they refer to it as the world tree. And I do believe it stems from the Maya belief in the tree of life. Okay. Yeah. I, if, I, if I'm wrong, someone email us and let me know. But as far as I remember, that is what the tree is all about. And when I saw it in the um, police station, the episode before this one, I'm like, oh, I wonder if that's the, the world tree. And then what Mr. Wednesday calls calls him Mr. Tree because everyone's a Mr. Someone that's true. In, in American Gods. <laughs> now, why do you think, and I, I asked Gomez this, why do you think that, it would have tried to poison Shadow if he was working with Wednesday. See, I I don't know. Or maybe it's just how it is. It's like created uh, that way. I think it is the nature of the god is that if you are in its way, it's going to kind of go through you and use you as its fuel. Okay. Almost. Uh, it's not really a discriminating source. Well, Wednesday but, does manage to yeah. pull this thing out. Now, they keep showing, like, inside of Shadow, which obviously was not real. But mm-hmm. it's, like, this weird wormy thing, but it's, like, the tree. It's almost like trying to plant itself yeah, in his it's, body. Yeah, like, it's it's going to take root there and explode. And the, the creation myth in, in the Maya um, culture is that when you die, you become the tree of life. The tree will grow out of your belly um, and will use your body to basically nourish itself. I have, um, from where I went to Palenque, uh, which is Mayan ruins down in southern Mexico, Chiapas, where they found the tomb of one of their their kings, and on the on the lid they thought he it looked like he was a, an astronaut. And then they're like, they got some real experts down there to look at it who knew what they were doing. And like, no, 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 no. This is the tree of life coming out of his stomach as he goes back into the the world to like kind of feed the the creation myth. So okay, that's funny that you said that because I was actually watching Ancient Aliens the other day and that was on. Uh, yeah. Hashtag yeah, obviously not, aliens. Yeah, he is. Um, <laughs> he is not. <laughs> Uh, is it Pakal, I think, um, is the king. But, yeah, no, he is not an ancient um, <laughs> uh, astronaut or anything like that. That is literally the tree of life consuming his body. Okay. And then the bottom, there is, at the bottom of it is like a mouth, and that's called, that's Shibulba. Uh And so he's going to be consumed by the tree, his, his physical body, and then his spirit's going to walk into the underground, the underworld um, called Shibalba, which is, looks like a creature with a big mouth but they associate that with caves so oh yeah i, I know a lot about it for some reason. yeah no joke yeah and everybody then, i hope you had a paper yet to write about ancient mayan gods because now you've got your little <laughs> story here but yeah i think that is where mr world comes from because he would have been native to the americas before anyone came over so that that would be one of the original gods residing here in America prior to any new ones coming over. So to him, all gods are new gods. So maybe that's why he tried to hurt them. Hmm. That's interesting. I would not have thought about it that way. I I just now thought about it. (laughs) But that was creepy when he pulls (laughs) it it out and then it kind of like, he throws it, but I'm just like, ugh. Yeah. And it's still clearly alive. So it could technically try to like, infect someone else that, well i guess shadow's safe that's all wednesday cared about 
I guess so. <laughs> that was weird, though. It it was weird. That was awesome special effects, but ugh, ugh. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's why I'm not a doctor. It looks super real. I'm just saying, when he was like, he was cutting. He's kind of like, you know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right, so off they go because now Shadow's okay again. It's like still didn't get a drink, as far as we know, though. No, I don't think he did. Or Shadow. <laughs> you know, I think he's like he's still kind of freaked out. And, and reluctant to accept his new reality. And I know I keep saying this, that, you know, he, but he's going with it nonetheless. He's taking it in stride. Uh, he's hand, handling it a lot better than a lot of people would. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, I don't know if I, as much as I watched on TV and movies and read, and, and I don't think I'd be taking it quite as well. Oh, I wouldn't be. I would. I would lose my chill completely. There would be a no chill zone. I'd be like, "What? A unicorn? No way!" I, totally. I would. It would surprise me. No matter how much I, sci-fi, fantasy stuff that I've watched and read, I would still be surprised. All I know is that in a horror movie, never run upstairs. So if somebody's chasing you, don't go up. Yeah, never go upstairs. I mean, there's a whole big yeah. list of rules. Scream told you not to right. do, and of course. Yeah. No sex. <laughs> yeah, anyway. This is a whole different thing. Because with these yeah. gods, you never know what's going to happen. We weren't expecting the tree to do that to him. No, so no, not. I wasn't exactly expecting the next god that we meet. Um, they Our, our group our, ends up uh, in Vulcan, Virginia. And we see bullets being manufactured. And I swear to God, this was my favorite part of the entire episode the guy is so happy, and they've got, like, happy music walking around. And as soon as I see this, I'm like, oh, he's about to die. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, my God, everybody likes him. And, yeah, we have that Brady Bunch song going. Oh, yeah. Or, you know, whatever. And then, like, he, he puts, he's got that world's greatest boss mug in his hand, and he's just smiling because, you know, life is grand. And he leans on the bar a little bit, and into the smelting pot he goes, and no one even misses a beat. I you know i felt bad though because like you know his workers are like high-fiving him and you know like thumbs mm-hmm. up everything's great and oh well and you knew when there was somebody else on the catwalk and he had to kind of squish over i was mm-hmm. like oh something's not going to be good and yeah, yeah nobody blinked an eye apparently this is quite normal the, the volcano must have a sacrifice yeah and uh a, and he was it. it's much easier <laughs> from what we've been told in this episode for the insurance companies to just pay out the claim every, what was it, three, four times a year than to actually yep. fix the plant. Yep. And everybody's happy. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah, I know. That's sad, right? Yeah, and, and we find out, and of course, you know, he, he drops down into the vat. Production does not stop. You know, you see, you know, that vat being poured in, and then ultimately he gets made into the bullets that, the factory is making and i just thought oh wow okay (laughs) i know it was weird but then and this 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 portion was not in the book okay Uh, this was an update to reflect the um gun debate that is happening in america right now that was not so hotly contested um back when it was originally written okay i mean we still had you know like guns gun right advocates and you know people who wanted to, you know, ban guns back then. But now when we're an incredibly divided country, 
they did update it a little bit to where Wednesday even tells Shadow, oh, we're still in America. We're just in their America. That was interesting because it was a weird town. Like, I've never mm-hmm. seen an open carry to this extent. Um, in places in Georgia, I have. Seriously? <laughs> I think I think in Kennesaw, Georgia, it is illegal if you are the head of a household to not carry a weapon. What? It's one of those weird old laws. And it, Kennesaw, Georgia is basically probably 45 miles north of Atlanta. So, so I may well have yeah, driven through it. Probably you do have to kind of if you're coming um, from like through Tennessee and you're going south down through to Florida or wherever you're going, you've probably driven by Kennesaw, Georgia, and they do have a you must carry a weapon. And if you're a single lady and you live by yourself, you're supposed to legally carry a weapon. Wow. Yep. There's a law you didn't think you knew. So when I saw this, I'm like, are they sure they're not in Kennesaw? (laughs) It was just so strange because, I mean, they had, like, rifles and just giant hand cannons. Like, I don't, I can't remember if I saw any children, but if I did, I'm pretty sure they had a gun. Yeah, there were, there was, like, there were some younger girls, like, I would say maybe high school-ish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, carrying, like, big guns. And and they all had these, like, um, armbands on. So yeah. instantly, I was getting that weird Nazi feel. Uh huh. And I'm like, okay, this it, is creepy. It was almost like they had dropped off into like a little parallel dimension because he's like, well, this is their America. Like it, it like exists just on the surface of the real America. Well, what was weirder because at one point, you know, they end up where they were going. They find uh, Vulcan, and mm-hmm. when he gets out, Shadow gets out. And all of a sudden, all these people, because there, it was, I guess, like the eulogy, kind of, for the person who died, they yeah, all shoot their, so- yes, they all shoot their guns, you know, up into the air. And all of a sudden, yep. Wednesday's, like, telling Shadow, you should take cover. I got should, scared yeah. for a second that what that could mean. Well, yeah, because they all looked at him like, okay, who is this? And they all seem to be white. And I'm just thinking like, okay, is this one of those racist gun towns? I mean, okay. And then I'm thinking, well, they just all shot into the air. Those guns are gonna, those bullets are going to have to come down at some point. And I do know that there are some uh, festivals in Mexico where they all go out and they shoot their guns in the air, and they have to make them stop doing that because the guns, that, the the bullets that come back down, it end up actually shooting people. <laughs> yeah. Well, what goes up must come down, right? I mean. It's not like they're filled with helium. And you, you do see, you know, like, he gets back in the car, uh, Wednesday greets Vulcan, and you see the bullets up in the air. And I'm like, okay, yeah, they're coming back. And they start dinging up the car. Yeah, I, I just got nervous thinking it was going to go a whole different route. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I thought that, too. And I'm like, okay, well, thank goodness it doesn't go there. But then we see the next scene with them where there's a hanging tree in the guy's front yard. And I'm like, okay, yes, it is one of those racist yeah. gun towns. Because okay. Vulcan <laughs> keeps pointing it out. Yeah, oh, several times. Yeah. And we already know that Shadow was hung by um, the Techno Boy guys or the, right. you know, the guys in black or, you know, whatever, you know, you want to call techno them. Techno Boys boys. Mr. Yeah, Mr. World's guys, I, I don't know who they really work for. <laughs> no, they were techno boys because Mr. World made him apologize. Yes. Yes, because techno <laughs> boy's a jerk. But anyway, yeah, but he just keeps going. He's like, can you imagine being strung up? And, and he's like, yeah. It's almost like he knows that it happened to him somehow. Right, and then when he leaves the room, I thought that was kind of interesting because Shadow's like, did you tell him I was hung? And he's like, No. 
<laughs> and right there, it's like either, like you said, it's either a super racist town, he, mm-hmm. Vulcan's just an ass, or he knew something. And that should have kind of, you know, had some red flags right there. Thinking back on it, yeah, that was kind of the tip-off that he was not going to just, like, be on their side. And we find out why he would possibly join the new gods in this fight. And it's basically, he's rebranded himself. And guns are like holding a volcano in your hand, and each bullet is a prayer. And they give me glorious blood sacrifices, and I will live forever. And I'm like, oh, shit. Okay, right. they need to get hell out of there. <laughs> right, because that is not where I was expecting it to go. But either. then you flip that around, and Mr. War- oh, sorry, wrong one. Mr. Wednesday was mm-hmm. like, "Well, we're not all getting our share. I need, I need you on on my side." And mm-hmm. he's like, "I was on the bus before you painted a yellow." It's like, wait. So mm-hmm. he's like all crazy, like I've rebranded, but yeah, I'm totally on your side. What do you need? Oh yeah, but he's not. He's not though. He's he, and he's like, here, drink my honey mead. No one goes without honey. I'm I'm just overflowing with honey over here. Look at all of my taxidermy animals. Look at this exotic zebra that I shot. But in my day. but at that moment too, he's like, but none for you. Looking at Shadow, it's like, oh, mm-hmm. jerk. Mm-hmm. But Mister Wednesday asks him to make him a great sword because he needs a weapon. I guess he had forged one for him before. And it was a pretty awesome sword. He ends up forging one for him. Oh, yeah, that was a badass-looking sword. I was like, oh, hell yeah. That's, that, I like, I'm like, okay, well, maybe this guy is, you know, on their side. I'm thinking maybe he's just a little, little more than crazy. Yeah, and then, you know, he's asked to join them in Wisconsin, and he tells them he doesn't want to join the fight, and that's when he tells them he's kind of evolved and rebranded himself. And Wednesday kind of gets the, you know, okay, it's kill or be killed in this situation. And the volcano gets another sacrifice as soon as the sword is finished, as he pushes him into the smelting pot. (laughs) I I guess that's what it is. And then pisses into it to lay down a curse. And I was like, oh, my God. Well, we we do have to say, though, back up a tiny bit, just because apparently Vulcan had not necessarily warned them, the new gods. Mm -hmm. Apparently he was warned because he said Mm -hmm. they called him, what, an hour before he got there? Yeah. And yet he still did the sword for him. Yeah, I don't know if he just expected, you know, he's going to make it and then, like, dispense with them. And, you know, he just made it because maybe he enjoys making swords because that's, he's, he's, that's kind of what he mm-hmm. does. But, you know, or maybe it was like an old, for old time's sake kind of gesture. But I never think that he intended to join Wednesday. And I think they convinced him, hey, you got to get rid of Wednesday. And he's like, oh, okay, yeah, I don't really need him anymore. Hmm. Now, that's an interesting take, because he should have known. You make this badass sword. Now, you're going to do everything because you're, you know, smelting fire. This is your thing. So you're going to forge this. And he just, like, you know, cuts his throat with it. Yeah, I think he underestimated Wednesday. I thought he saw him as weakened because Wednesday tells him, well, you know, I'm not doing so great, you know, as much as I am. But he underestimates that Wednesday is basically the father of gods and is still way more powerful even in his weakened state than anybody else of the old gods. So I, I, I think that's kind of maybe what happened there. I can see that. 
But, yeah, and then the curse. And then it just shows, again, like the bullets keep going, keep going. So what do you think the curse is going to be? Because we've seen the factory wasn't was named Vulcan. Uh-huh. So what do you think the curse is? Everything's going to misfire or anybody who tries to use it against them somehow? Uh, maybe they're now impervious to bullets or something. I, I don't know. Like, I'm just like, wow, like a pissing curse. Right. <laughs> <laughs> don't make me give a pissing curse on you. And <laughs> I did think it was cool, though. Um, I think it was one of the writers that had tweeted out a picture of the Corbin Bernstein, like, face that they had to do because obviously he wasn't going into hot metal so they did this uh this face of this life cast of him and they had it just kind of like in packed away in like the straw or whatever that they used and it was just so weird looking at it and then he's standing next to it like look at that that's my face you know it's like the strangest thing (laughs) i don't know how actors can sit for that because i've seen it done not in person just Mm -hmm. watching them on tv like, do the life cast of the face, and I'm like, I would be like, I can't breathe. I, I, this ain't happening because I'm going to die. Yeah, I, I'm too claustrophobic to ever have it done. So, yeah, I just, I can never I can never get famous, become an actor, and, and have a life right. cast of me. <laughs> but mad impressive looking because it, it was crazy. And and yeah, that whole that, thing was was awesome. But we don't know where the new gods are hanging out. No, we don't. Because did they honestly think that Vulcan was going to be able to get rid of them? Is I mean, that just seemed very strange when Mr. World was like, I'll let you think about it. You know, media is like the muscle, but she didn't touch them. Mm-hmm. And Technoboy yeah. tried, but it didn't work. So you think he's got to be a little scared, even though he was, like, super bitchy about it. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I think that they're like, okay, if anybody can get rid of Wednesday, it's going to be Vulcan because, I mean, he's, you know, he's more powerful than ever. Um, more people believe in him, and, you know, every bullet is basically a prayer, and he's got all this blood sacrifice. And as far as the old gods go, he is probably the most powerful one because he does have so many believers and followers um, because of the the people who are, you know, you'll take my guns, uh, you know, mm-hmm. over my dead body, and even then I'll shoot your ass. Um, but I... I, I I guess they were betting on him to get rid of Wednesday and this whole thing would kind of go away. And I think the new gods are a little scared because look at what they represent, media and technology and, you know, just all these, you know, new things. Celebrity, I think, is one of them um, in the books. Um, But they're kind of like their lifespan is a blip on the radar compared to some of these old gods because the believers are fickle and there's you know technology could be you know oh it's you know replaced with something else where we no longer need you know little phones in our hands where we're able to develop something where we can speak to each other you know mind to mind who knows what's going to happen down the road and you know people don't watch tv the way they used to uh, so, you know, they've got to be a little scared because their believers are fickle. And I think because things move faster um, these days than they did in the past, they realize that their time is much shorter than those of their predecessors. So, hmm. And if the electricity ever goes out, they're all gone. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you know, like the Internet and, <laughs> you know, there's no television. You know, there's no gadgets that will work. You know, 
So if something were like that to happen, I mean, they would just be completely gone. So I think they realize just, you know, how precarious their situation is, and they really, really, really do not want to be challenged, and they just don't have time for that. They're trying to kind of keep their heads above water uh, as it is. That's kind of my take on it, at least. I really like that theory. <laughs> and I I loved that they put uh, I put a spell on you in the credits music <laughs> because my mouth was still hanging open that he pissed into the volcanoes. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. That was great with our shadow and Wednesday and Vulcan. That was their completion for this episode. But we still had one moment more with our other trio. Mm-hmm. We had Celine praying. He had his yeah. prayer rug out. And they were in a field. Mm-hmm. And Laura was actually staring at him. Now, Matt Sweeney, I almost felt, almost, like he was a little bit moved. But then he kind of mm-hmm. rolls his eyes like, ugh, whatever. Mm-hmm. But then Laura, you know, looks at Salim, and she's like, life is good. Yeah, life is good. Because he says, Alu Akbar, which is God is good. And she's like, mm, life is good. And he agrees, life is good. And that was kind of their little moment. And she does know now that there is more after life. So maybe this is signifying that she could be having a spiritual awakening of her own. I don't know. Maybe seeing but, somebody who so, is holding on to his spirituality. So even with everything that's happening around him. That's right. Yep. True. That's interesting. So, yeah, I love our little, basically our, our two trios. But seriously, if you had Laura, Salim, and Mad Sweeney, just a whole episode, <laughs> like basically talking shit back and forth to each other. Oh my God. <laughs> except the fact that I want more of the story right now. I, I would actually like that episode. So we need like a, uh, almost like an after credit thing of them just in the taxi talking shit to each other. Oh, yeah. I'm sure they probably have, and maybe when they it comes out on DVD, there'll be some uh, deleted scenes. Because I know a lot of times when they do those kinds of scenes, they'll just improv it. They're like, well, why don't you try this? Or, or one of the actors will come up with something. And I remember when my daughter worked on The Boss, and I don't think that the funniest stuff that they shot made it into the movie because it was just Melissa McCarthy going off you know, saying the craziest stuff that I have ever heard in my life. It was hard not to laugh. So I can imagine that it's the same kind of situation where, you know, they're just, you know, throwing, you know, uh, (laughs) insults back at each other and seeing which ones work and which ones the director likes and things like that. So I can imagine it was a lot of fun to watch. And I do hope we get to see more of that, either if they release it um, as uh, an after show kind of thing when season one is done airing or if they end up putting it on the DVD um, edition, or I guess now iTunes um, has where they include the deleted scenes with iTunes Plus and stuff like that. Oh, so, really? I know. Uh huh. Yep. Yeah, because I, I bought the Boss iTunes Plus version to see the deleted scenes to see if any of those jokes that didn't make it into the the theatrical cut was actually where it would make it into um, the deleted scenes and stuff. So yeah. Oh, that's cool. Well, I guess I need to get that now. <laughs> Mostly because I need to watch. Now, I almost forgot because we got so crazy talking about the books. Mm-hmm. Anybody who does not know yet, they announced that Ricky Whittle, who is Shadow Moon, and mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I just had her name. Oh, Yatid Badaki, which again, I'm sorry if I said her name wrong, uh, Bill Quist, are going to be at New York Comic Con. 
Now, Very we, I know there's somebody else. I don't know if it's the writer or who else is going to be there. But definitely you want to go to their panel. You know, if you're a fan of the show, definitely go see oh, it. Yes. And let us know because I don't know if I'm making New York this year. I'm not making San Diego, which makes me sad because I know they were there last year. Oh, oh. sad. Tears. See, um, I'll be at Dragon Con here in Atlanta, and I don't think I'll be able to travel for anything else, and it makes me sad. <laughs> Yeah, I did Dragon Con last year, and of course you weren't in town. I know, the one time that I'm not in town. <laughs> but I, I am going this year. Uh, you'll have to report back and see who you see. Oh, and yes, definitely. definitely. But, yeah, if anyone up in New York ends up going and, and goes to the panel, then, then let us well, know. So we'll totally share any pictures. Now, obviously, we got some time before New York, so maybe we'll end up going, and that would be awesome. So we'll find out. But I wanted to let everybody know. They will be at a con. So this is important because so many times shows that are coming out this first season, even though we know we have a second season and we know this is popular, a lot of times Mm -hmm. they don't hit the cons or they'll only do San Diego. So Uh the fact that we know for sure they're going to be in New York, this is good. Yeah. I have to keep checking because every day they release – I think they just release it as they find out, people confirm, uh, who exactly is going to be at Dragon Con. So I'll keep an eye out to see if any of our American Gods actors are coming here. Awesome. All right, so I think we covered our two trios in this. <laughs> I just keep saying my two trios because that's how I feel like this one was. It, it almost didn't have just, like, one. It was the buddy, it was the buddy episode. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> So, for episode six of American Gods, oh my gosh, there's only eight episodes, I'm going to cry. <sighs> okay, I'm okay. And I wonder how long they're going to make us wait for episode two, or season two, oh, sorry. I don't want to think about it, because too many of my shows have gone so far in between. Uh, I'm already dying for Game of Thrones, I'm just, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. It's been a with while. Thrones. All right, so episode six, I'm Sean Pangrela. And I'm Jennifer from Hollow Nine. And until next time. <laughs>